Welcome to another Innovation Forum podcast. I'm Ian Welsh and joining me today are fashion expert Tara Luckman, who's an advisor to the US Cotton Trust Protocol, and Mark Sumner, who's lecturer in sustainable fashion at the School of Design, University of Leeds. Welcome to you both. We're going to be talking a bit about data and some of the solutions emerging to help around data issues in apparel supply chains. Mark, why is supply chain data so important in the apparel sector? When we're talking about sustainability, for example, we know that the supply chain has the most significant impacts of all of the stages of the life cycle. So we know that our material choices and where those materials come from have a very significant impact in terms of things like carbon, water and chemical impacts. And it gets down to the granular detail of, for example, if we source cotton from Australia, we know that the water footprint associated with the cotton production in Australia is probably a quarter, if not a fifth, of the water footprint of cotton produced in somewhere like India, for example. Understanding where materials come from is really important from a sustainability point of view. Understanding how they progress through the supply chain in terms of the conversion process of taking that raw material and turning it into finished product also has a significant impact on the sustainability impacts. But of course, it's not just about sustainability. And when we're talking about the business context of this, understanding and knowing your supply chain gives you the opportunity to have a much better feel for some of the economic drivers for brands and retailers, for example. So reducing lead times, trying to be more cost effective, getting better value, having better quality. All of those things are associated with better understanding of that supply chain. Having an understanding of where your products are coming from, who's making them, the processes that are being used, and ultimately where those raw materials come from, it goes beyond just general sustainability questions. This is a bad business imperative. Tara, same question to you. Why is supply chain data so important in the apparel sector in particular? Mark has described that very well, but just honing in a little bit on the environmental and social impacts that, that were is a business imperative to address now. Brands can't address what they can't see. They really need robust information, sources of data that can give them assurances around what's happening in their supply chain, but also this window of opportunity to access where they can apply their resource, where they can partner with suppliers to drive improvement and ultimately validate any claims they want to make. You know, we're in a very anxious era of greenwash and rightly so, you know, we've got to be accountable around the claims we make for sustainability. But this is making even the most capable, mature brands nervous at the moment around legal challenge on the communications they're making about sustainability in their supply chains and their products. There's a, absolutely a heightened need for robust validated data coming from the supply chain to back up those claims, the reporting that brands want to do, and ultimately evidence that we are heading towards our sustainability goals as a sector. Mark, has there been a lack of data transparency then in the fashion sector? And if there has been, why do you think that is? The simple answer is, yes, there is a lack of data and a lack of flow of data through the supply chain through to brands. There's a couple of reasons why that's happening. So first and foremost, the textile supply chain from your cotton production or from your timber production for viscose or from your polyester production, to get that material through the supply chain to the brands, we're talking about a very complex supply chain, very complex in terms of its length and the number of actors and the connections between those different actors in the supply chain. We also have a major issue for traceability, by the way, in terms of commodity markets. So commodity markets tend to act separately from an individual brand in, in terms of their orders. The cotton production or viscose production is based on commodity markets. They're just producing for world production. And that creates a subtle disconnect in terms of that supply chain. 
The other thing that we've got going on is there's a lack of trust, I would argue, between different actors in the supply chain. Why are you asking me questions about who my suppliers are? Why do you want to know this data? What are you going to use with that data? In some of the traceability projects I've been involved in, the challenge hasn't been about technology. It hasn't been about finding the connections. It's been about trust and understanding how people use this data to actually, in a positive way, because some people are looking at this data being, you know, being collected about them and then being used in a different way. And in some ways, the analogy is you know, a little bit like social media collecting your data. You don't quite know how that's going to be used. And I think with organisations, we're seeing another side to that as well. And I guess the, the other point to lay out here is that often what we tend to see is these supply chains don't belong to a single brand. And suppliers of suppliers, of suppliers don't belong to a single supplier or, or brand. So what you've got here is a very disjointed supply chain that there's a high level of flux. Who's my customer? It changes daily. Oh, but I also have 20 different customers. And that's not just for the garment makers. That's also for spinning mills, for fabric mills. So you've got a very, very opaque supply chain there that makes it really difficult to extract the data. So Tara then, what sort of data is particularly necessary in the cotton sector? Let's, let's turn to cotton. Well, I think we've had an interesting evolution of understanding cotton's data. And I think just following what Mark said, the oversimplification has been probably the biggest issue where we've tripped ourselves up as a sector. I think when you start to look into cotton's impacts, you'll quite quickly be overwhelmed with the breadth and complexity of cotton production impacts, both in terms of understanding the, the geographies, the diversity of impacts at field level, and the industry understandably has looked for kind of simple aggregated views such as the MSI scoring system or global average LCA data. And we're now maturing in our understanding of this and, and recognising that that's not just inappropriate, but in fact, it's been quite counterproductive in terms of understanding cotton's impacts well. So we just need to start building now a more contextual, geographically relevant understanding of cotton impact data. There's no point comparing irrigated and non-irrigated field production data, for example, or let's compare social impacts from machine picked versus hand harvested cotton. There are not apples and apples. So I think a number of sustainability initiatives are convening around cotton impacts data and starting to look at ways we can agree consistent measures whilst the actual impacts will be different for different farming systems for different geographies the data that we should collect and the way that we review that data and consider how it can be considered alongside each other even if it's not for comparison should be more consistent so i think there's a, there's a real effort at the moment towards that end you're an advisor to the us cotton trust protocol new initiative. So how is this initiative increasing access to data around cotton production? I think this is a real strength of the Cotton Trust Protocol. I think partly because it's a technology-focused programme, so it's quite core to the programme's infrastructure and that they're collecting data from every farm participating in the programme on an annual basis, appropriate points in the growing cycle for cotton. And that data then is third-party assured, so they're not marking their own homework here. And they're also applying a very transparent modelling of the data. So there's ever-improving analysis through the field-to-market tool that the Trust Protocol partners with. And then beyond that, publishing the results to the sector. So sharing 
specifically how practices at field level translate into impact results across their different KPIs. And those first results have just been published and been quite well received, but I encourage any listeners really to, to dive into that. You can find the first annual results from the Trust Protocol and learn quite a lot in there. It's a really rich source of information about US cotton production, the practices that are being championed by the Trust Protocol and how that actually translates into better soil health data, better water management, etc. Mark, it strikes me that this approach is one that's got away from the mass balance approach, which has been prevalent in the the cotton sector till now. Do you think that this sort of traceability is something that can be rolled out across all cotton supply chains? That's a big question. I would definitely argue that there's a need for this type of approach. What we need to be able to do, what the industry needs to be able to do, is to identify good farmers from those that are not so good. That point that Tara's making in terms of best practice on the fields We need to get that visibility or transparency to understand how we identify whether a farmer is doing their utmost to minimise some of the environmental and social impacts. And the only way that we can do that is by linking that farming practice through some sort of tool to be able to say, here we have a farmer and this is what they're doing. And then brands and retailers or other organisations can then use their scorecard and say, you know what? In terms of what that farmer is doing, we can see that they are addressing key points that are important to us or our customers. So by having that type of linkage is really important. One of the challenges, though, with this is the vast number of farming communities around the world. And and just thinking within the United States, the vast number of farmers within the United States with such diverse practices that they have. And recognising that those practices are honed to the local issues that they're facing in terms of, for example, in Texas, you know, having years and years of drought. There's quite a lot that we need to do around making sure that this information that's drawn out, which is really useful information, how we use that information in a constructive way that actually drives and promotes best practice. It strikes me that there's been quite a lot of myths developed around cotton supply chain. Looking forwards into the future, what are the myths that you want to see the cotton sector busting, Tara? This is not limited to cotton, but cotton has been such a prominent area of myths that need to be busted in the sector. I mean, if we take water use, for example, or chemical impacts, I think it's this issue of viewing them out of context looking for an easy answer or a a tweetable kind of statistic is where we need to really challenge ourselves to do better and educate all plants need water to grow so let's look at the efficiency of water use and the ability to retain that water in the ecosystem plant nutrients used well can really enable production efficiencies land use efficiencies so let's seek to understand efficient and effective chemical application before we demonize all chemical applications at the farm for example so i think that there's just this new level of depth we need to get to and i think uh, many businesses around the sector are really starting to appreciate that and hence looking for more data more information to build that understanding businesses setting targets around biodiversity for example it's just taking to us a new level of maturity in the way that we consider environmental impacts and not looking for a single statistic on a plant being a thirsty crop for example i'm hopeful that we're moving on Mark, yes, it feels like we are moving on. It feels like we're getting beyond the thinking around what are the challenges. It's more a question of actually addressing the challenges. So back to my original question, though, I mean, are there still myths for you that need to be busted? Absolutely, and I and totally endorse what Tara's saying. If I think about 10, 15 years ago when we were really trying to understand the sustainability of the industry, there was this view that cotton, we can talk about an average cotton farm. And on the basis of that, what we can talk about is across the whole world, everyone who's farming cotton has the same average impacts. 
What's really important to recognise, and this is why traceability and transparency is really important, is to recognise there is enormous variation between cotton production in Senegal versus Pakistan versus China versus the United States. And when we understand that we've got that huge variation, that absolutely tells us that we have to have traceability. If you really want to understand the impact that you have in terms of your production and in terms of products going out in the market, that's the first myth about this idea of average cotton. It just does not exist. The other thing is getting into the detail that there's been huge steps forward in terms of pesticide use in the industry, for example. So often there's these figures quoted from the early 1990s about pesticide use in the industry. And that's not reflective of where we are in 2020. There's still a long way to go. But there's been some really good progress there as well. We should also recognise that cotton is a plant that is impacted by seasonal variations. So what we look at in terms of cotton production in one season is going to be very different to the next season. So traceability and transparency has to be done in a live model. You know, that you can't just take data from 2020 and apply that to 2021 and 2022. This is a constant thing that's going on. And I think the other thing that we need to really break down as a myth is the fashion and textile industry and cotton as part of that is all about harm. There's no benefit. And that is just not clearly true. We know that cotton production done in the right way can be very supportive of farmers in terms of their income, in terms of well-being, supporting local communities. What we're trying to do here is we need to address those issues that we know are there with cotton farming, water use and pesticide use, but do it in a way and protect the positive things that come from this. That's a really important part. And I should obviously just also make the point about water use because Antara's mentioned this. If you look at the water consumption of cotton versus, let's say, wheat or rice, it is nowhere near as thirsty as those crops. The challenge is that cotton is often grown in arid countries and that sort of emphasises its water consumption. But if we're looking at cotton production per kilo versus other products, it's not as thirsty. So it's all about getting the context right on this. And I think there's many other myths that are out there, you know, in the detail of cotton production and textiles. But those are the key ones, I think, that we need to start to erode and, and challenge. I think you're absolutely right. The kind of lack of good news sometimes is very easy to focus on the negative side of things rather focusing and thinking in terms of perhaps the positive side of these crops that are bringing benefits to the people that are growing them and their communities. It's been a fascinating conversation. My thanks to, to Tara Lachman and to Mark Sumner for their insights into cotton data. Thank you. Thank you.